It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. And, of course, I can't start without reminding everybody, I told you, I told you, I told you to put your money with the Timberwolves. Why? Celebrations. Everybody's all on this celebration. But Ben Utek, we had him on the show, and he explained Tony Dungy's thought about family Saturdays, having your family in the building, having your family around, because it's a team atmosphere, family atmosphere, and it makes everybody kind of, you know, come together. You look at Peyton Manning. Utek spoke about Peyton Manning. Please go back and watch that. Spoke about Peyton Manning not really being into family Saturdays. And I and I was there. I was in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning as a coach for two years, two off seasons, uh, some preseason games as well. And I, I saw how Peyton is. He, he, he didn't make that up. Peyton will speak his mind. Peyton runs that team. And then he had Peyton go on to Denver. And all of a sudden, Peyton's like, let's get family Saturdays into Denver. And what happens? Denver wins the Super Bowl. Not saying that's a direct correlation, but I'm not saying it's not. It helps. It helps with that team family atmosphere. And as we bring Sam Ekstrom in to the Ron Johnson Show, that's our producer, I just want to get Sam's thoughts on this Timberwolves team. When you look at coming off the play-in, celebrated too hard, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are picking the Grizzlies. I said it. I said this Grizzlies team is young. I said whoever's winning at halftime will win this game. Why? Because it's momentum and it's mentality. It's momentum and it's mentality. They had the momentum and the Grizzlies did not have that mentality. Now, John ja Morant, he's a baller. We saw it. I love seeing T. Morant, his dad, and Carl Anthony Towns' dad, on the sidelines it reminds me of aau games it reminds me of again that family atmosphere yes our sons are out there trying to kill each other on the court but man this after the game you know they're gonna text they're gonna talk later we're still boys like they they know this atmosphere they know this and, and this is we're seeing two young stars in john moran and anthony edwards and carl anthony towns as well but john moran and anthony edwards specifically we're seeing two young stars Two young stars that are going to kind of catapult the NBA into its next, you know, venture, I guess you'd say, is LeBron at 37, Chris Paul at 37. Uh, it's, it's almost time. You know, I remember watching Michael Jordan retire. I remember watching Larry Bird retire. It's almost time. It's sad. I remember seeing Kobe, you know, turn in the shoes. It's sad. Like, that's a, it's a tough time when you're a sports fan and, and your stars – Leave the game. Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley. But now it's these new young guns. And I'm not saying the NBA is in great hands because we really don't know who's going to take over. Is it Giannis? Is it? We know Steph Curry is going to carry the torch for a while. Kevin Durant's going to be around for a little while. James Harden. But these new young stars, you know, what, what is their legacy going to be? Are they going to be able to sustain this star power 
You know, can Anthony Edwards play at that clip every single night like a Michael Jordan, like a Kobe Bryant in the playoffs? Can Anthony Edwards do that? You know, when I think about the 36 points of Anthony Edwards and you look at John Morant's 32, here's the thing. They canceled each other out. Malik Beasley came out of nowhere to help that team. Now, Carl Anthony Towns definitely stepped up. He was the two guy. You know, Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain, they just could not keep pace with Beasley and Carl Anthony Towns. And, and I've said that star for star has to uh, cancel each other out. And I think Ja and Anthony Edwards did 32 and 36. That's pretty much a wash. So Ja did his job. He stayed with Anthony Edwards as long as he could. The refs helped him out with some free throws, had a ton of free throws. But the other guys, the role players, they just could not get it going the way Beasley did. They could not get it going the way Cat was balling. He doesn't have a number two like Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, the one-two punch. And D'Angelo Russell didn't even have to get going. That's what makes this team even scarier, that D'Angelo Russell at any point can turn it on if he wants. But he's playing the true point guard role, giving it to the hot hand. I always say bet with betonline.com when I tell you. Because I feel it. Like, I can feel it. I felt that energy. I knew they were going to take him to the first game. But, Sam, what do you think? about the Timberwolves and this dominant 130 to 117 victory where everybody's saying this is going to be the Memphis Grizzlies easy. But now the Timberwolves are showing everybody, hey, this is our season. Yeah, I got to give you some credit, Ron, because I think you were all along skeptical of Memphis and their lack of experience. And you could say the same certainly about the Timberwolves who really haven't been here either. But the Timberwolves looked like the more seasoned team on Saturday. They started faster. They ended faster. So the bookends of the game, they were by far the better team. They shot free throws much better. And that's always a mark in the playoffs. You know, who's going to make those clutch free throws? They obviously dominated at the three-point line. That was a huge difference in the game. And I think that's something that's sustainable because the Wolves are always going to shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes. And the Grizzlies are not as much that outside team and you nailed it. Uh, ja didn't get the help that Anthony Edwards got. I mean, the Wolves of their arguably four best scorers, three of them were were on fire. Beasley, Edwards, Cat. What a bounce back for Cat, by the way. Um, and Russell's the only one who didn't really carry his weight. But three out of four isn't bad. And um, I felt like the Wolves just got to every loose ball. The 50-50 balls, they were hustling more. They were rebounding against a very good rebounding team. I thought the Wolves were the better rebounding team. Um, so they played excellently. Now, are the Wolves going to have moments in this series where they don't play that well? Probably. So how are they going to respond? Um, how are they going to deal with that adversity? Because they didn't trail a whole lot in that game. They had a couple moments, though, Ron, where it seemed like Grizz the Grizzlies were coming. Uh, Tyus Jones and that second unit were kind of uh, you know racking up some points. And then the Wolves would hit a big shot. They'd go on a little run of their own, and they never seemed panicked. So I love their poise in that entire game from start to finish. They looked like they had been there before. Yeah, and, and when you look at the uh, the box score, and so you look at Anthony Edwards, like I said, 36. You look at Carl Anthony Towns, 29. You got Pat Beverly giving an easy 10. You got D'Angelo Russell giving an easy 10. But Beasley, I mean, that's the one for me. That's the unsung hero when you think about the threes he hit the 23 points, that's huge. I mean, that 23 is huge. 
And the reason for it is every time the Grizzlies fans felt like they were back in it. Because I was listening. So I was at Lifetime Fitness. So I was listening, watching it on there while I was working out. And then as I'm in the car, I'm listening to, and I like to listen to it because I get an unbiased, or not unbiased, I get more of a biased opinion. But I, I was listening to the Grizzlies radio network for a little bit just to see where they were at mentally like were they giving the Timberwolves credit were they blaming the Grizzlies for not being good because uh, I felt like when the Jordan and the Bulls whenever they would lose it was always Jordan's fault it was never the other team was better it was Jordan didn't have a great night or his team couldn't help him out Jordan would score 40 the rest of the team would score five and if Jordan lost uh he's got to find some teams got to Scotty's got to help him uh Horace Grant's got to help him you know, it was always never, it was never the other team was better. It was Jordan didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so listen to the broadcast. It it was, it was like, it was, I don't even understand it. It was like they were completely awestruck and depressed. Like the, 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 the lack of energy in their calls, because every time it got close, like within two to three, somebody on the Timberwolves would hit a big shot. And every time that happened, you could just hear them say, oh, they left them open. Yep. And it's in. That's three. Ring it up. Yep. The Grizzlies just can't find a way to close this out. And so it was almost as if, like, Beasley's not good or Anthony Edwards is not great. Um, they were blaming it on the, the the Grizzlies' defense, which, yeah, they over-rotated a lot. Carlin D. Towns, you know, getting that dunk. And, you know, again, an over-rotation. The guy rotates too far to the right. Carl sees it right away goes in, dunks on the guy. You know, he reaches for the ball, misses. Now you leave your interior exposed without somebody pushing him on the hip. You give a seven-footer a free lane. And I wish Carl Anthony Towns, and I hope, as he realizes the three's not going, stop shooting threes, set him up with a pump fake, and then drive. Go make the refs make the call. Make it tough on them. Same with Anthony Edwards. You know, don't be afraid to take it. He, I felt like sometimes he bailed himself out and just took open threes for no reason when he could have just – four or five dribbles, take an easy jump shot, or go dunk on somebody. Um, that's that's going to be the, the thing down the stretch. Now you have that game one. Don't get too confident and think, okay, we got game two. Because Tuesday, the Grizzlies are thinking the same thing. If we go down 2-0 in this series, we probably don't have a chance to really win. Because now we got to go to Minneapolis. And we got to play with their crowd who's going to be absolutely nuts and crazy and loud and cheering these guys on because if they win in four at home, you thought the playing celebration was big? Oh my goodness. They win in four. It's gonna be absolute bonkers. Put the put the police out on the streets, make sure nobody riots. You know, I don't think it's gonna be a crazy ride, but I think there will be some people out there celebrating in the streets, excited. Now again, you gotta go play the Warriors. But again, celebration momentum. I'm not gonna overlook it. I think it's what got them in this first game. And hopefully they have enough energy to sustain this and keep going. Well, up next, we got Gabe Henderson, and we're going to talk basketball with Gabe. But in context of football, stick around for that one. And now up on the Ron Johnson show, a staple now of the show, Gabe Henderson, my boy. And normally we talk football. We're always in the football. That's what we do. The draft coming up. We're, we're going to do the draft social. Make sure you check us out on Vikings.com. Uh, Fox 9 is going to carry a little bit of it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Care 11 is going to show me and Gabe talking. Everybody wants to hear me and Gabe have to say. So make sure you guys check out what we have to say about the NFL draft. But we're going to have some fun today. We're going to put Gabe in the, uh, I guess, fan chair. And so, Gabe, looking at the Minnesota Wild, you look at the Timberwolves, the winter season is upon us and these teams are doing great now the twins started off great so there was some hype there with Correa 
but now three and six, Buxton hurt. But with this winter, two playoff teams in the winter, does that now put pressure? Are the fans kind of going to be spoiled going into the fall, expecting with Kevin O'Connor that the Vikings should be in the playoffs? Absolutely. I think, you know, this. we, we both know that this is, yeah, the state of hockey, but it's a Vikings town. And even though other teams are winning right now, which is great, which makes the, the energy of Minnesota as high as it's been since I've been here the past two years, I think that still puts more pressure on this Vikings team to make it to the playoffs. So you got a team that's been right on the cusp, right? You've been in eight and nine or, or seven and nine the past two years, and then you one game away from making the playoffs, and now you bring in a coach that's got Super Bowl experience with the new regime, but still kind of the same players that, that has gotten you to the playoffs in years past. Yeah. Like now, now is your turn. To, now it's your turn to win. Now it's the 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 Timberwolves and the Wild are basically saying Vikings. Like your your turn. Like we we did what we're supposed to do. I mean the Timberwolves. I mean they they look prime right now to make it to the second round. So it's like if they make it to the second round, then that's the bar for what the Vikings will be will have to be this upcoming year. So I, I think right now this Vikings team ha has to follow that Timberwolves model. If the, if the Timberwolves don't make it out of the first round, we can we'll take a wild card. If the Timberwolves make it to the second round. Hey, Vikings, you got to make it to that division around. So we'll see. But the, the pressure is at an all-time high. You, you can't you can't let these other two teams that aren't top of the market uh, out, outplay the, the number one team in this market, which is the Vikings. And I think winning is contagious. You look at L.A., that one cycle of the Dodgers, the Lakers, and the Kings all making it and winning Super Bowls, champ or not Super Bowls, sorry, but uh, championships. And then, you know, you end up getting the L.A. Rams, uh, to win a championship as well. So L.A. kind of, you know, they had their cycle of greatness with the right. Lakers, the Rams, you got the Kings, and the Dodgers. And I don't know if the Twins will ever get there, but the Wild and the Timberwolves <laughs> are making that push, and now they need the Vikings to help them out. But looking at the Timberwolves celebration, we all have seen it. We all have heard about it. We have people hating on it. We're going to try to get Lavelle on the show to, to double down on that, that you celebrated too much. Uh, we had Ben Utech on talking about Tony Dungy. Uh, Tony Dungy actually texted me yesterday out of the blue, which was, you know, reminded me of some of the stories that Ben talked about. And, you know, Tony Dungy and I were, you know, we just kind of text back about seeing each other this weekend. He'll be here this weekend. So we're going to catch up on uh, Saturday. And so, you know, thinking about celebrations, Dungy was a, eh, we're not going to celebrate until we're there. Like we're going to wait to the end. But the Timberwolves and the Vikings even, you look at Stefan Diggs, throws the helmet. The whole city goes crazy. People are jumping in pools. People are peeing on themselves because they're so excited about the Vikings winning. And then they go lay an egg against the Eagles in the NFC Championship. Timberwolves, people were expecting that. Like, you wasted so much energy, like Barkley and Shaq, and everybody's making fun of them, you know, about that. Carl Anthony <laughs> Towns kissing his wife on the court. But Tony Dungy kind of said family first. I don't mind the families being on the court. It is a family atmosphere. That's what this is about. We want your family to feel involved in this win because they are a part of it. They are your mental stability when you get home. They feed you. And so when you look at the Timberwolves celebration, do you think that it was too much, especially now seeing that they went out and still beat the Grizzlies handily in that first game? As of right now, no, because of what the last thing you just said. They just won their last game. And if they win this series, it's like that, that celebration was – was warranted. They've never, I mean, you've been there longer than I have. The, the Timberwolves have never won anything of, of significance. And this was the first time that they had been in a playoff game since what, uh, almost a decade. And the fact that well, they 18, won it in they that went. Fashion, Everybody keeps forgetting about Jimmy Butler. So they did go in 2018. Okay. Everybody forget that season because we don't want to admit him. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like when I was in the NFL, I came back for the Lakers Timberwolves playoff series. And it was here uh, where two of the games were here. Um, and again, 
they they didn't they weren't gonna beat Kobe, but it was cool for me to come back and see Kobe live in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, it was yeah. like 2003, 2004. I was with the Ravens, and so yeah, it's been a long like two decades since they've been in significant playoff games. So yeah, you're right. So I mean, so on top of that, it's like yeah, you you know there there's a, a side of me that says act like you've been there, but when you've never really been there as a team, it's like dude, let it all out. Like this, <laughs> we may not ever get this moment ever again. So. I'm, I'm gonna leave it all on the court, and and yeah, you know Pat Bev. We we know Pat Bev is like <laughs> I saw a tweet that said they call him Pat Beverage because uh, he always oh, got yeah. a, he, he turn up like he got a beverage in his head. So just just seeing that you know that celebration, I'm like, all right, y'all got y'all got to figure figure this thing out. And the fact that they won game one in the fashion they did in Memphis, it's like, all right, I mean, keep celebrating. You can celebrate like that after game two, game three, however much you want to do, as long as these wins keep piling up. So. I, I am on the, the, the side of the fence is like, act like you've been there. You know, this is one of those things where you got to be professional, but still there's only so many times you get opportunities like this to be able to, I mean, celebrate a playoff win. Technically they won that playoff series. So that's their first playoff series win. And, you know, if you're playing 2K, right. And, you know, every time you win every series, there's confetti coming out of the, the, the top of the arena and, and everybody's celebrating. So, man, live your best life, Pat Beth. And, and man, like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a break it down to something a lot of people won't understand um, that we saw, or at least I saw, and I know you saw because everybody's talking about it on Twitter and everything. But T. Morant and Carl Anthony Towns' dad, so Jaws' dad and Carl Anthony Towns' dad, dap it up at midcourt. He's talking to the camera, talking about we want all the smoke, blah blah blah. But the fact that they embrace to see two black fathers, one present in their sons' lives huge impactful fathers in their son's lives so often they want to talk about the downtrodden the bad within the community sometimes and to see that man like how uplifting was that to see that and then to see two young men who've not been in the media for anything besides great play not off the court issues no duis no mistakes man like how cool was that yeah. to see on national tv yeah, that, that was that was that was very cool to see. I mean, no matter how you look at it, it's, you know, black dads who, who are proud of their their black sons to be able to to make an impact, not only on the game of basketball, but in the game of life. So they're they're the proudest men in the world. They, they got two sons that are, you know, playing at the highest level and able to provide an impact for a city that hasn't been there in years. Like Memphis hasn't had that impact before John Morant in years. So the fact that, you know, the dads are able to be able to experience that and you know it's, it's showing you know black dads in a positive light i mean you can't ask for anything better than that and i'm just looking at just the fact that <clears throat> um pat bev not pat bev's dad but uh, john Morant's dad is you know like the boys like he's he's at every single game courtside and i know you know a lot of black dads i'm thinking of like lavar ball a lot of black dads in the you know in, in, in the frame of sports they always get a bad rep so the fact that yep. it's being celebrated in this sense and it's being um support it like that's all that's all you can ask for man and i i hope uh if this series goes to seven games i do that all six games because you're supposed to be proud of your parents i mean you're supposed to be proud of your, your kids and if you're not doing anything that's a detriment to society and you're not taking away from the game and you're uplifting your sons who is making you guys it's making your city a lot of money man get in front of the camera do whatever you got to do every single game yeah, man. And so we're going to go with the fun question now. Like me and you, I know. So I wouldn't ask a lot of people this question because everybody can't hoop. Like there's not a, everybody can't <laughs> hoop. But receivers, we know receivers are usually the best hoopers in the room. So I pose this question for you. The NFL is hosting a 
conference tournament. Uh, but you have to get out of your conference first. So the, the Lions, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Packers have to play five-on-five basketball, a la above the rim, uh, rest in peace to Tupac, Dwayne Martin out there playing point guard. Um, if you were to put your point, your top five on the court, and I know Justin Jefferson's one because he already told us he's the best player yeah. on the court when, when he was on with, with you and I on the, on the Vikings uh, Vantage uh, podcast. And yeah. so Audible, yeah. the Audible. And so he told us he was the number one uh, point guard. You know, we'll have to pull that clip, put this on our show. But yeah, he said, I'm the number one player on this team. No question. Who's your other four with Justin Jefferson? Unless you're going to snub Justin Jefferson and not put him on your, your top five. Nah, who's your, nah. Who's your he, top five? He, he, he started, JJ starting point guard on that, on that squad. Like, I, I watched his, um, his, his vlog. You know, he did a vlog last year. Yeah, yeah, he told us to watch it. Yeah, workout. Watch it yet. <clears throat> and yep. it, it's, it's legit. It's legit. The, the Duke okay. and Hoop. So, uh, no, no shade there. So two, I'm gonna go with Irv Smith Jr. Like Irv was okay. nice in high school. Apparently, according to JJ, Irv could have played in college. So the fact that okay. Irv can ball, he's from Louisiana also. So I'm going with him. And then you know I gotta go Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill was Delaware uh, basketball state player of the year his senior year of high school. And apparently okay. he was like a six five or six six slashing guard at six six, <laughs> what two ninety now. So imagine right. that. So I'm 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 taking my chances there. Good footwork, and then Tristan Jackson is who everybody talks about. He's a receiver on this Vikings roster that JJ speaks really highly of. Um, uh, Keenan McCardo, the Vikings wide receiver coach, say Tristan Jackson can hoop. So I'll probably go there. And then for the for the last one, I'll probably have to go with my guy from North Carolina, Ty Smith. Uh, he's a cornerback okay. for the Vikings. Just got re-signed, um, and, and simply because I, I've seen him play in high school. And just understanding that, like, he wasn't the best hooper, but he's 6'1", 6'2", and can shoot. And he's from the hoop okay. state of North Carolina. I think, you know, he, he could fit in, find his role, and, and, and score a couple of baskets, um, you know, if he's left open in the corner. So I'm, I'm taking that five over anybody in the NFC North. I haven't looked at any other roster, but I'm just making this hot take right now. I'm taking him over <laughs> any roster in the NFC North and, and going from there. Well, Ty Smith, normally I wouldn't put a <laughs> cornerback on my team, but everybody needs that pet bet, that Pat Bev, you know, like <laughs> – can hit the stop and pop from the free throw line jumper, but he's going to play ridiculous right. defense. He's going to foul you. He's going to he's going to be petty on the court, and I think that's where Ty Smith right. fits in. We know JJ is a scorer. Yeah, Brian O'Neill, man, with his size, uh, he can he still looks like he can move well. So I like that solid yeah. solid five. I know Adam Thielen's not going to be happy with you because Thielen swears he is <laughs> one of the best hoopers out there. Um, I would have seen now when Kyle Rudolph. He's a free agent, so I think that's the key. Yeah. If Kyle Rudolph comes back, and they do find a way to get him back for cheap. Kyle Rudolph is a really good hooper. Like him and Carl Anthony Towns like, I, played one on one and against each other before. Like I, I love, I love Adam Thielen, but nobody has ever said he's good outside of him. Like I, I was like <laughs> on the borderline of saying like Adam Thielen is the guy, but like he talks about how good he is. I haven't heard anyone else say Adam <laughs> Thielen is that he's guy. The only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, all right, well. I want to throw. Uh, I got to get him on the show now. I got to get him on here because he's got to fight for himself, man. He's got to fight, fight back, Thielen. You got to fight back, bro. Well, I want to thank Gabe I know Henderson for golf. joining me on the ride. <laughs> he can't golf. Yeah, top five golfers. He's in there. I want to thank Gabe Henderson for joining me on the ride. Josh's show up next. The daily three. You know it. Three questions, three minutes, and we'll be back after this. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show. It's the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. Take it away, Steph. 
We're all talking about the Timberwolves, but there were other sports played over the weekend, including the Twins in Boston. They win one out of three. Their record drops to three and six, but I think perhaps even more important than that, Byron Buxton is hurt again. He slides into second base on Friday. Here's his knee pop, and he is out with right knee soreness. Everyone is panicking because they just signed him to this huge extension. And once again, another seemingly kind of innocuous little move sliding into second base, and Byron Buxton is injured. Is this the start of another injury-plagued season for the Twins' best player? Unfortunately, I'm going to say yes. Um, I, I just feel like it right now. I don't know if it's the negativity of what Minneapolis has done to me now over the last couple of years living here. Um but I, I do feel like it. I, I it, The tough thing is he probably needs to sit out two to three weeks. Like to really, anytime you have knee soreness, if it pops, it swells up. And what that means is that's just the body protecting itself so you can't bend it and it's protecting the injury. I think a lot of people always think uh, swelling is 100% bad. It's not always bad. If it's just fluid and everything else is fine, they drain it. But if they look in there and that swelling is just general swelling which is basically protecting that joint protecting whatever you don't want to bend right now whether it's a finger whatever it's the swelling actually is good for you to make sure you don't hurt it even more if they rush it back and they do all the cold press and the and the wraps and the compression sleeve i i slept in one myself it pushes all the swelling down to the calf and ankle it doesn't help because it adds stress on other parts or your body so now he might be okay, not okay with the knee, but the knee soreness goes away. Well, now that swelling, you've pushed into like an ankle. So now you have ankle tightness, and then you end up doing something weird to your ankle coming out of the box. Um, there's there's so much, or in the outfield even, you know, there's so much to this where this team is heavy on hitters. We know the Buxton Correa back-to-back, uh, you know, the, the, the bomber show, if you want to call it. They were high velocity. Well, now you take one of those guys, move one of those chess pieces off the board, you just don't have that same the feel you know and so now people are already questioning should we trade career and get get value for all that money you know they traded them and this is like nine games in but that's what this town does they go negative real quick i hope not but i do kind of feel like there's going to be some other things down the road for buxton yeah i mean the twins are struggling mightily on offense right now that's supposed to be the strong suit i'm looking at their averages Correa, 133, Kepler, 167, Polanco, 200, Sano, 077. They don't have a 300 hitter right now, so you lose a piece like Buxton, who is probably going to be that 300 guy, and the offense just feels punchless. And they scored, what, one run in the last two games against the Red Sox? That's uh, pretty tough sledding for the Twins. Not a great start to their season. Um, hockey. A lot of scoring this weekend for the Wild. They lose on Saturday 6-5 to five in overtime to the rival Blues, who they're probably going to play in the playoffs. Then they bounce back yesterday a 5-4 overtime win against the ailing San Jose Sharks. So they scored 10, they gave up 10, they split the weekend. Is that high-brand version of hockey, is that going to translate uh, to the playoffs, those high-scoring games? Uh, yes and no. I'd say yes because they can score in bunches. So I remember watching I, – I must have turned it on late or I looked at it late. Um, again, I was at the gym. So they were down 4-1, to one, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember seeing 4-1, to one, and I was like, oh, my goodness, they're getting killed. And then I look up, and they're in overtime, and it's three-on-three three hockey. And so the fact that they could put up that many goals in one period 
speaks well to the playoffs, but this is the problem. They wasted so much energy and they, they exerted so much energy trying to do that, get back into this game, scoring on power plays. When overtime came in that instance, they were kind of gassed. You know, you could see it in the way they were skating. They were trying to sub a guy off and they sub a guy in and then the winning goal. Um, same thing happened in another goal. They were trying to get a line change. Boom. Blues take off. Another score. Um, vice versa, though, going in overtime with a little bit closer, you know, game, not having to get out and, and just give it all to try to come back and waste all your energy and quick line changes. Um, they didn't have to do that, and they won in overtime. So you can live by the overtime or die by the overtime. It's like a three-point shot. You live by the three, you die by the three. If you want to get these high-scoring, you know, shootouts, you're going to live by it and you might die by it depending on how much energy you have left down the stretch. Uh, three on three, that's exhausting. Um, how quick are you making your changes? How quick are your guys getting on and off the ice? Are teams taking advantage of that when they realize you're absolutely gassed? Um, that, that, that can be detrimental. Um, not sure, uh, if it's just going to be, you know, them, you know, however they see it, but the blues, if you look at that's who they probably, uh, might face. That's when I say no, because that's not a team you want to get into a shootout with. You've already seen that. Um, if somehow, some way, you know, you can pull some of these games out. Yeah, you get past the Blues. Yeah, maybe. But you don't want to end up in that. I think they need to get back to defense. Uh, it has to be. You have to keep that other team in a low-scoring affair um, so that you're not exerting so much energy just to try to make a comeback. Yeah, here's the only thing that concerns me about the Wild is that they have propped up their record in large part because they're so good in overtime and shootouts. I know they lost on Saturday, but they've got 14 wins this year in overtime mm -hmm. or the shootout. And, you know, the three-on-three, three, that goes out the door in the postseason. It's five-on-five. Five. There is no shootout. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to count on that, just getting to overtime and winning in the postseason. Uh, you got to win those games in regulation once in a while. So that's my only concern. Yeah, true. Uh, Gophers question for you. An article caught my eye on ESPN.com. Daniel Fa'alele, the big Gophers tackle, was on the all-outlier prospect team. Why is he an outlier? Because he's massive, 384 pounds, projected as a day-two draft pick. How do you think he's going to translate to the NFL, Ron? I think he'll be just fine. When you look at guys um... – in the past of his size, uh, Aaron Gibson out of Wisconsin, another big guy, uh, you know, had a decent career, probably got too big. The big, the big difference. In, and I, and I played against, uh, Eric Gibson, Aaron Gibson, sorry, in the, in the arena league, like he ended up going to the arena league and playing. And so when you look at that size, the good thing about Falele is he's solid. Like he's six, nine and solid. There's not a lot of fat on him. He's a big, strong, big bone kid. And that's just his, you know, his, his DNA, it's it's his family makeup you know the way he's built is not built like it's not fat um when he first got to the gophers i think he was somewhere around 400 pounds that might have been a little bit of fat uh they've trimmed him down to 380 at one point i think he was almost in in the 70s it's like 375 still a humongous human being but also very much in shape play running back in the spring game we saw he can move and run with the ball he threw a touchdown i mean this kid is not your average 6'9", 380-pounder. So that's what makes him an outlier. I think in the NFL, uh, when you look at his arm length, 
his power, his ability to stab and stop a defense in in his tracks, stab and stop a, a blitzing linebacker in his tracks, uh, his footwork, his ability to move. I mean, watch him play running back, watch him play quarterback. You could see his footwork uh, when he did the, the – it's not a wildcat. I don't know what you call that when you put him back there. But, you know, when you see him move, he's not – you know, he's not a slow, sluggish kid. Um, you even watch him at the at the senior bowl, his footwork and his ability to get off and sit down, guys. Like, I mean, literally push him into the ground. Uh, everybody was high on him. At one point, they had him going in, you know, like top – or not sorry, top, but top first round, but like that bottom 30, 31, 32 pick for a team like the Ravens who might be at the end, who might be wanting to add for the future. Um, you know, of course, people were saying, you know, if there's a way for Bilicek to move pieces around the puzzle, he would take them. Uh, because that offense, you know, with Mac Jones is going to kind of become that where they're going to sit back in the pocket uh, a little bit more like Brady, uh, protect them. And so, yeah, I, I see day two. I think there's a lot of teams that can use a tackle. Uh, I honestly truly believe if Christian Darisaw, uh wasn't here, because I think Falele is not a true left tackle. I think he's going to start off at right tackle is what people are saying. Um, Falele, if we didn't have Brian O'Neill and – Christian Darisaw, I'd see Falele coming to, to the Vikings. I mean, I think he's a fit. I think he does what they need. Uh, he moves well. You look at the running game for the Gophers, he's proven he's a role grader. So I don't. I see no problem with that. There are going to be some awesome articles written about him on whatever team he lands because he's going to be just the, this object of fascination because he is massive. Oh, yeah. I mean, like Phil Lodeholt, one of the biggest people I've ever seen, Bryant McKinney, those guys are 30, 40 pounds less and Daniel Fa'alele. It's insane size. Um, last one, bonus question, Ron. Did anything catch your eye in the NBA playoffs over the weekend? I know there weren't really a ton of upsets except for the Wolves. Um, yeah. A lot of blowouts, but there was a, a buzzer beater yesterday too. So anything that uh, they caught your eye? I mean, I'm going to say that caught my eye. The 2-7. You know, everybody won that was supposed to win. Every high seed that was supposed to win one, which is every single one minus the Grizzlies. So that caught my eye right away. Also, people are going to say, oh, well, you look at the uh, the Jazz Mavericks. The Jazz are the five seed. Well, you don't have Luka Doncic. So that's a huge difference. When Luka's not playing, they're not good. And so that's why if he can't play, the Jazz are going to run away with this. You look at Donovan Mitchell. Um, and, and the other thing that caught my eye was the youth movement but the veteran presence. And so you look at the youth movement. I still put Donovan Mitchell in that youth movement, 32 points. Ann Edwards, 36. John Morant, 32. Tyrese Maxey, 38. Jordan Poole, 30. And Tatum, I'm still going to put him with the young guns, 31. But then you had the vets. You had Giannis with 27. Jimmy Butler with 21. But the other key in that Jimmy Butler, 21, is Duncan Robinson. He really, he's my top of the line, caught my eye. Duncan Robinson was 8-4-9 from three. The kid was absolutely, I mean, he's a Michigan kid, so I knew him. I know him. I've seen him play in college. This kid let it fly. He got benched early, signed a $90 million deal for five years, and then got benched. He didn't let that get to him, though. He worked himself in the gym. He shot around. Uh, you know, the Michigan faithful talked about how consistent he is when he really works, and he worked because it showed off in the playoffs. 27, 8 for 9 for 3. That's ridiculous. Kyrie Irving, 39, with the double middle fingers to the crowd. C.J. McCollum, 25. And then the old dog, 37-year-old Chris Paul goes for 30. And so it was nice to see, like, it wasn't just about Devin Booker. You know, you saw the old guys there. It wasn't just about Chris Middleton. Um, it, you know, you had Giannis in there. It wasn't just about Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson, definitely. 
But Jimmy Butler still went out and got 21. And then Kyrie, you know, going through Ramadan, not eating all the stuff he's dealing with, coming back to a hostile Celtics because they feel like he let them down and they brought him there after he gave it, you know, gave up all this crap about LeBron and I got to be on my own. I got to put me first. And Kyrie doesn't really do much for them. He goes in there and almost scores 40 points on the Celtics. So that caught my eye. But again, it, it was just watching these young guys uh, just thrive. And uh, it was cool to see. And Edwards, he lived up to it. I think that was the huge one. Yeah, I'm already scouting that Warriors Nuggets series. And, you know, you mentioned the Michigan guy, Duncan Robinson. The other Michigan guy, Jordan Poole, scoring 30. If the Warriors are going to yeah, get yeah. 30 from Poole and have Steph and Clay and Draymond, that's going to be a tough team to beat in the second round when the Timberwolves complete the uh, upset over the Grizzlies. Yeah, and that's what annoys me about Michigan. You had Jordan Poole, Duncan Robinson. You have all these guys that go on and do well, but they can never get over the hump in the tournament. Well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, and you can also download and listen anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.